SaaS Revolution show brought to you by SaaS Doc 2017, the conference to turn your SaaS up to 11. In this brand new episode of the SaaS Revolution show, Alex Thumer is joined by the general manager of Gainsight EMEA, Dan Steinman, a customer success veteran who discusses when and how you build out a customer success team. Let's hear more from Dan. To the show, Dan Steinman, general manager of Gainsight EMEA. Hey, Alex. Uh, it's really great to be here. I, uh, I love SaaS stock, and I love what you're doing as far as driving the SaaS uh, intelligence, I guess, across Europe. So I'm really happy to be part of this. Thanks, Dan. Look, you know, um, uh, we're getting some uh, some praise already, some brownie points. So uh, it's a good, good, <laughs> good a good way to start off. Uh, so I'll, t- I'll take it easy on you. I always take it easy on my on, okay, on good. The guests. Um, but Dan, you know, I know that you've uh, listened to the podcast before, and you know, really, um, you know, uh, h- how we start is we just want to get to know uh, you a little bit better. Um, I guess you know the, the the company that you work for as as well. Um, you know, so we'll take that as the the, the, the kind of beginning. Um, so, like, tell us a little bit about you know who is Dan Steinman. Yeah, um, Dan Steinman, I guess, is a thirty plus year veteran of Silicon Valley. Uh, been at a number of different technology companies. Gainsight, I think, is my depends on how you define startup, but either my seventh or my eighth startup company. So, I, I guess you call that a serial entrepreneur. And almost all of my career has been kind of customer-facing with a, a couple of forays to the dark side. I did marketing for a few years when I was at SGI and then actually carried a bag and did the sales thing just to say I did it, uh, but always migrated back towards something that had to do with customer service, customer relationship, customer, uh, uh, in, in, our, in this case, customer success. So uh, that's kind of who I am, uh, you know, and, and I've been now at Gainsight for almost five years. And you're an American in uh, living in the UK right now as well, right? I am. Yeah, the last adventure or the the latest adventure in my career is not Silicon Valley. Uh, it's taking the customer success movement, or fo- better better put, following the customer success movement to Europe, uh, and and uh, trying to establish a foothold for Gainsight as a as a technology vendor in Europe. So I'm building a team here to 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 do our European sales and marketing and evangelism and customer success, uh, and at least for now, headquartered in London. So, so you're, you're building out Gainsight in, in Europe or in, in EMEA, um, the first person on the ground uh, here. Um, but tell us a little bit more about Gainsight and, um, you know, in terms of what they do specifically, their technology for customer success and, you know, you, you know how you ended up working there. Yeah, I think I'll go in reverse order because yeah. how I ended up working at Gainsight is actually the reason Gainsight exists. So about six and a half years ago, I was the first VP of customer success at Marketo, building the team there and really struggling with the volume of customers versus the, the amount of headcount that I have. And I know all the VPs of customer success in the world that are listening to this are nodding their heads going out. Yeah, that's a constant problem. So I literally put a million-dollar proposal in front of my CEO to build a customer success solution inside of Marketo because I just I, I didn't think there was anything out in the market. Uh, but then my CEO wisely said, why don't we go check to see if there's anything off the shelf that might be less than a million dollars? So I did that and I actually found uh, three different solutions, one of which was a company called Jbera Software, which is now called Gainsight. And I ended up being Gainsight's third customer. And they helped me over the course of the next several months to solve some of the problem that I had, which is how do I manage so many customers with so few people? 
And how do I know when is the right time to contact customers? Because we were all about trying to drive the value of our product so that when renewal time came, and at Marketo, all of our customers were on one-year contracts, when renewal time came, the customer was actually perceiving and getting the real value of Marketo so that the renewal, to, to, to coin a phrase, was a non-event. And before we had customer success there, it, it almost certainly was not. It was oftentimes the 11th month on a 12-month twelve con- contract calling the customer and having them go, uh, I wish you would have called me seven months ago because I've already installed your competitor. Uh, and, and churn was, was a little bit high. That's why we started a customer success team. So Gainsight over the last five years has evolved to become that kind of technology solution that helps customer success people or to stretch that a little further, salespeople, account management, client services, anyone who's touching a customer to just be much more effective in their uh, in their management of those customers. And ultimately, I think the bottom line uh, for Gainsight is probably the bottom line for customer success, and that is uh, optimizing the value that you're receiving from your existing clients, from your install base. A great background there. Thanks, Dan. And, and you know, so today I, I really want to, um, you know, utilize this time that I, that I have with you, somebody that's been working in customer success for, you, you know, uh, a long time. As you said yourself, you're, you're, you're a veteran, uh, uh, but uh, you've got such a knowledge of customer success. So I want to focus on, you, you know, um, how and when you build out customer success uh, teams. Um, but before we do that, you know, can I get your definition of what customer success is? Because I read a lot of different definitions, uh, you know, online, and it'd be good to know what, what, what you believe it is? Yeah, it's a really good question. Super relevant, Alex, because customer success becomes such a popular term that in some ways it's kind of become meaningless because it means almost anything you want it to mean all the way from it's the words my CEO uses to pretend that we really care about our customers all the way to it's an organization of people with customer success manager as a title who do X, Y, Z. So it's a little hard to define, but at a high level, I think the the general definition of customer success is uh, the people or processes that drive the value of your product through uh, to the customer so that they actually realize the value that your product promises. One person said it this way, it's the team of people who deliver the promise that sales made. And I think that's true. And we can laugh at that because sometimes sales makes promises that are hard to keep. But customer success really is about delivering the value that the product has promised. Okay, thanks, Dan. That's uh, that, that's a really great answer. And, and, and this kind of leads in now into um, you know what we want to talk about uh, today uh, and, and this question I know we could probably you know just do a podcast on the on this question alone um, but you know I, I want to know and I guess the audience wants to know as well you know when a when does a SaaS company need to build out a customer success team and I guess we should bear in mind that you, you know those that that listen to the show are of at various different stages you, you know so some are I guess kind of you know uh, under a million ARR you, you know some between the one and 10, you know, and, and we'll get a few scaling CEOs, uh, you know, some, uh, and, and VPs listening as well. So if we can, you know, bear that in mind within your answer, let, let's talk about when a SaaS company needs to build out customer success teams. Yeah, it's, it's like the ultimate question. I think uh, I'll answer to start with this way. Uh, it should be something that the founders of a company are thinking about when they found the company. 
And I mean that literally. The first day that two guys sit around and say, hey, let's start a company to solve this problem, they are, if they're building a software company, they're going to be a SaaS company. And customer success needs to be part of what they're thinking about from the very beginning. And if, uh, if I take Jason Lemkin as an example of a guy who's kind of led the SaaS charge over in the U.S., he wrote an article or a blog post, I think, three years ago that said customer success is a single-digit hire meaning it should be one of your first nine employees. So if I go back a ways, early in the early days of SaaS, companies built customer success teams only when they discovered that their churn rate was pretty high. This was the birth of customer success at Salesforce when they discovered post-IPO that their churn rate, churn rate was really high. They were great at uh, gaining new customers, but were really struggling with keeping them. That was true at Marketo when I joined now seven years ago. The churn rate was higher than would have been uh, that than would have made sense to do an IPO, which we were planning to do already. So it used to be customer success became the afterthought to a churn problem. But today in Silicon Valley, most VCs won't fund even a Series A, even in some cases an angel investment, unless there's somebody already thinking about and in charge of customer success. So the thought process starts really early. I think. There's one question I like to ask people when they say, am I ready to to build a customer success team or to take it one step further to add some technology to my team? And that's this. What does the scramble at your company look like when the CEO casually walks by your office and says, by the way, I'm visiting XYZ customer tomorrow. Could you make sure I'm ready for that conversation? And a lot of people out there are smiling because they've been through this scramble. I've been through it hundreds of times uh, because if you have more than about 25 or 30 customers, you no longer have that intimate level of knowledge about exactly what they're doing. When you have 10 customers, everyone in the company knows everything about them. At some point after 10, you start to lose that intimacy. And when the CEO says, hey, I'm going to visit Acme tomorrow, make sure I'm ready, there's a scramble that goes on. Okay, who talked to them last Let's dust off that Excel spreadsheet where we were keeping track of how they're doing. Let's go run that report to see if they're actually using our product. Let's go to the survey tool and see what their last survey response was, et cetera. And so if you feel like that's happening at your company, it's probably time to make that position of customer success, whatever you might call it, much more formal. Like let's have a process and a person who owns managing customer health who owns the retention number for the company, et cetera. And that's typically going to happen at some point when you're going through that growth phase uh, between your first 10 customers when you really have product market fit, and now you're going to have 100 customers at the end of the year. I think that's the time when you really need to, to stop thinking about it and actually start doing something, saying, okay, we need to invest in this. We need two people. We maybe need a little bit of technology. Maybe it's just an extension of Salesforce or your CRM system to start with. But sometime in that growth from 10 to 100 customers, you need to actually sit down and do something. And that something usually involves assigning a person or two and actually creating some processes. So, so that leads really nicely in, into this, you, you know, how do you build out the customer success team? Because as you, we talk about, uh, you know, thinking about customer success from, you know, day one, uh, but somewhere between 10 to 100, you, you know, we get people on board uh, to kind of own that process and, and, and even technology as well. Um, you know, who, who is the first customer success hire? What is that role? Um, you know, is it just a, a, a customer success representative? 
you know, when you bring in the VPs of customer success, you know, tell us more about, you know, building out this team as, let's say, when you when you get that first uh, 10 customers or the first 100 customers and maybe what it looks like when you've got, you know, 1,000 customers. Yeah, it's, it's a great question. I'll start with this. I think um, that you have to start with this assumption that customer success, it's not an assumption. Let me Let me restate that. This is a fact. Customer success is a business imperative. And I mean that in your customers obviously have to be successful or they won't do the two things that matter. They won't renew their contracts at high rates and they won't buy more stuff from you. So you have to do something uh, called customer success or at least something that has that kind of theme to it. That ultimately is going to require people unless you somehow have figured out how to build the perfect product. The product that all you have to do is send out passwords and logins to your users, and they will pick it up, they will understand it, they will get the ROI, they will adopt every single release immediately, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All those things that we all know don't happen. You can't build that perfect product. So you have to put people in place to help the customer. Okay, here's your login and password. I know you know how to log in, but here's how you start to get value out of our product. Here's how you set up these processes. Here's how you run these reports. Here's how you determine the ROI. So uh, I think the way to start is to start, and by the way, this has changed really significantly in the last five years. We used to hire customer success people primarily because they were really good at building relationships with customers. They kept customers happy uh, and loyal because they had great relationships. The SaaS world doesn't allow that anymore because you're going to end up with way more customers than you can build relationships with. So I think you have to start uh, by thinking about this as an operational function and a process and metrics-driven function, not as a relationship-oriented function. That causes you to hire a different kind of person. There's lots of people who have done account management who know how to build great relationships, that's maybe not the primary skill that's required to build and lead a customer success team. I think you need to be more operationally and process focused. So if, and I built two, three teams now, three customer success teams at three different companies. If I was to do it again today, I would do one thing I've done the last two times, and that is to hire a senior level, maybe not VP level, but a pretty senior person who's going to manage some of your key customers, but is also going to start helping you build the processes so that the next 30 customer success managers have some process in some way that we can scale to manage a thousand customers instead of 20. So hire, I think hire above the current needs of the company, hire somebody who's going to help you do more than just manage customers, but is actually probably uh, in a position where they can become a director or a VP and can prove that by helping you build out scalable processes. Because it's really important that you start with the thought process that this is not a relationship job, and it's not a job about analytics. This is a job about operations, process, and metrics. So find that person who has that orientation, ask them to manage some key customers, but also start building out those processes that become repeatable and scalable and autom- automation, automationable, that's not a word, but I just made it up. You, be, you need to be able to automate those kinds of processes. So that's the thought process that I want in that first person. And then once you get that kind of at least um, 
mapped out philosophically. Now you can hire people who are just going to be managing customers because if you have the processes and some automation in place, that can help drive their workload. They don't have to be these, what we would call a unicorn CSM that intuitively knows exactly when the right day is to call a particular customer because you know it's been too long and they're probably struggling with XYZ. We want to take that out of their hands by operationally figuring out how we're going to do customer success and then using those operations and those processes to drive the individual CSM's workload. So, so in terms of that, um, that, that kind of senior operational uh, sort of person as one of the, the early hires, uh, a, a bit like a, a David Apple at, at Typeform uh, yeah. type person, um, who I think was, I don't know if he was the first customer success hire, but, um, but certainly he's now, you, you know, owning, uh, you know, customer success and building that out for, for Typeform, who are a, uh, you know, super successful uh, SaaS company, yeah. you know, based out, uh, you know, here in, uh, in, in Europe. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I guess talking of um, you, you know super successful SaaS companies, um, you, you know Slack and Typeform uh, as well. Um, you know they're, they're two SaaS companies that that well say uh, uh, they don't have sales teams, right? Um, uh, I, I think it, you know it's true, uh, and um, but they've got customer success in, in that function. Um, I think I even read this week or uh, you know sort of recently that Slack doesn't even have sales targets, right? Um, and uh, so it's, it's working well, it's seemingly for, for Slack and Typeform. Um, you know, why do you think this is so? Um, you know, is this just specific to the type of SaaS company? that they are or is this uh you, you know a model that really you know uh more SaaS companies should be adopting yeah it's it's a it's a really interesting question by the way i don't think you can have a sentence that has the word successful SaaS company in it without <laughs> saying the word slack somewhere in that same sentence exactly uh it's i i really do believe uh in some ways that those companies are anomalies because uh, if you think about the thousands and thousands and thousands of software companies in the history of the world, uh, how many of them didn't ever have salespeople? Mm. You know, maybe there's four or five total, right? In the B2B space, almost none, right? Those might be the only two. So I think that that model, if you can do it, man, it's so awesome. We're not paying commissions. We're not setting sales targets. What a great company that would be uh, to be a part of. But I think it's unrealistic to think, that you can solve really complex business-to-business problems and, and then, and then uh, sell a product that just goes viral and, doesn't, and, and you can sell it through e-commerce. You don't need a salesperson to explain the value proposition. I just don't think there are going to be very many companies in that world. Mm-hmm. What is interesting about Slack and Typeform, though, is that they're, kind of, they're, they're, they're a little bit of a prototype for where customer success is going because – Customer success, if you think about it this way, uh, I don't like to say the word ownership because I think there's joint ownership of customers in a recurring revenue business. But if customer success owns the install base, then uh, Slack and Typeform are kind of prototypes of that, uh, but it's their whole business where customer success kind of, quote unquote, owns it. Because I think the long-term value of customer success is that if it's done really well, the cost of sales into your install base goes way, way, way down because if customer success is doing a great job, the renewal becomes a non-event and upsells are things that customer success people turn up 
and turn over to a salesperson to close really quickly or maybe close themselves. That's, that's a debate we won't get into. But I think that thinking about your business that way, how do you manage your install base? Because someday all of us who are in SaaS companies are going to find out that the public or private market values our company based on the value of our install base. Like if you look at Salesforce and you said, what is, why is Salesforce worth $50 million? A big part of it is because they have an install base that's worth $10 billion. And even if they never sold another customer, that install base grows by 25 or 30% a year with a very high gross margin on it. Right. And that's the that's the world of customer success. We're building these install bases, this recurring revenue business. If we can get our retention rates really high, we've got a functioning business that's really valuable, even if you don't add customers to it. And then if you do add a growth engine to it, you're, you're that much more valuable. That's why you can get 10 and 12 and even 15 X multiples on those kinds of companies. So I think Slack and Typeform as examples are really super interesting because it kind of sets the stage for where we're all going as SaaS companies building up this install base that has real, real, real value all by itself, even if you didn't add new customers to it. So if, uh, you know, we said perhaps Slack, you know, it doesn't have uh, sales targets or certainly I I read that, um, you know, and, and in that model, you know, potentially that, uh, you know, it, it's great for um, uh, the company that they may they may not have to pay you know compensation uh, to because they have no sales team. Um, but with customer success, I, I'm, I, I think that you know you've discussed this before. You know, um, is is this uh, customer success a function that you know should also you know sort of be compensated on uh, on a sale in a, in, in the model where. Um, you know, they're involved in the sales cycle, um, you, you know, kind of pre and post. Uh, you, is, is that something that you, you see or have an opinion on? I do. I think uh, th- this is one of the things that the world of customer success is kind of uh, coming to a consensus on. And that is <clears throat> customer success people have a revenue responsibility. They may not have a quota. Uh, they may not be held accountable for a particular sales target but they have revenue responsibility because renewal and upsell doesn't happen unless you do customer success really well. And so it begs for a compensation plan that has some variable component to it. And the, I think the general consensus is coming in around 80-20 where a customer success team or manager uh, will have an 80% base and a 20% variable component that will be driven off of some set of metrics that are uh, either a leading indicator or actually the net retention number. You know, are customers uh, not churning and are they buying more stuff from us? That The combination of those things is what we would call net retention. And that's often the driving uh, measurement of whether you're doing customer success really well. And I think you can hold customer success accountable for that number even if they're not doing the actual sales transactions, they're setting them up. And I, the analogy I use is a lot of pre-sales teams have an SC, whether it's called sales engineering or solution consulting or whatever, but a technical arm of their organization, that technical arm gets compensated for deals getting done, even though they're not the ones closing the deals, the salespeople are. And I think you can see customer success in that same way where the overarching uh, remit for them might be something like this. You are responsible to make sure that the next sales deal happens. In the customer success world, that next sales deal is either a renewal or an upsell. 
in the pre-sales world, that next deal is obviously a new business deal. So that that same remit could be a description of the SE organization as well as the customer success organization, one being pre-sales, one being kind of post-sales. Okay, great insights there, Dan. And, and we're coming to the end of the show. Um, I, I just want to uh, ask you two more questions. Um, uh, and, and, and the first one really is, um, you know, what resources are there available uh, or that you can recommend, you know, to those that are looking at building out, you know, customer success, uh, customer success or learning more about customer success for their SaaS company? Um, you know, so are there any... Uh, any books specifically on the topic that you you can recommend? I think you might have written one. I'm not sure. <laughs> and, uh... no, that was that was the softball of all softballs, Alex. So thanks for throwing that one out there. Um, uh, we did write we did write the first book on customer success. It, it's certainly not the last, and it, it won't, the ones that are out there now aren't the last ones either. There'll be many more. That's a resource. There. The good news is customer success is still very new, but in the five six, seven years, whatever you want to say, that it's really been uh, kind of full function, uh, full full thrusters forward. A lot of resources have been created. So there's a ton. We do a lot of blogging. We do a lot of thought leadership, as do the other customer success technology vendors. There's very active LinkedIn forums that have lots of good information. The Customer Success Association uh, provides a ton of really good resources. There's books, as you mentioned. There's lots of uh, community things like our big event is called Pulse. In two weeks in the Bay Area, we'll have almost 5,000 people coming together for Pulse. And that's not because of Gainsight. That's because people want to get together and talk about customer success. Because when something is new, there's a thirst for talking to other people who are doing it. So that drives Pulse. It drives a lot of customer success meetups that happen locally. There's four or five of those already in London. There will be more several of them across London. There's one in Berlin, there's one in Paris, there's one in Tel Aviv, uh, Amsterdam, Belgium, right? Brussels, I think. There's a number of those things going on because people want to get together and find out that there are other people struggling with the same thing that they are. In fact, I was at one the other day and one person said it this way. She said, this has been the best therapy session I've ever been to in my life. And and not kiddingly, it's like I'm finding out that other people have the same pain I do and that there are solutions to some of those pains. So uh, I think the community of customer success is really strong and it's very much a community oriented kind of role anyway. So there really are a bunch of resources out there. Uh, if you, you don't have to look very hard to find all of them uh, on the internet. I sort of uh, teed you up there a little bit on the uh, on the book, and you, you've uh, paid back the compliment by um, you, you know teeing me up a little bit about events from Pulse Local uh, into uh, in, into SaaS Stock uh, 2017. A nice segue there. Uh, it's as if you knew what the final question was going to be, uh, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, on, on that note, um, you, you know, obviously, Gainsight are um, you know sponsoring SaaS Stock 2017. Gold sponsors were you know thrilled about that. Uh, both yourself and uh, Anthony uh, Canada, the VP of Marketing at Gainsight, will be speaking in Dublin um, uh, in September. Um, but specifically yourself, you, you know, uh, what can we expect to hear, um, you, you know, from yourself uh, um, at, at SASDOC? Yeah, I mean, we're equally thrilled to be part of it. Uh, I mean, SAS is really the movement that drives uh, customer success. 
to, to put it slightly more accurately, it's really the subscription model, the recurring revenue nature of a business that drives customer success. But but SaaS is the is the leading edge of the spear in that particular world. So we're excited to be part of SaaS stock. I think um, you know I look forward to to speaking at SaaS stock. I'll say, given that it's uh, five months away, a lot of stuff's going to change between now and then. This is very much an evolving space. Uh, I think a lot of the same questions that we've talked about today will be part and parcel of what uh, myself and the panelists will be talking about because everyone's worried about scale. You know, SaaS makes it really easy for customers to come on board, which means you have this scaling problem, way more customers than you have people to take care of them. So how do you worry about that? That'll certainly be a topic of conversation as well as I think the biggest one these days for many people is how do I... How do I determine the ROI of customer success at my company and how do I justify that to my CEO? So I have the ammunition to walk into my CEO's office and say, we're underinvested in customer success. If we doubled the number of people, here's what we would get out of it. That That's the question I think that's really on everyone's mind. So scale and ROI or you know uh, the, the justification of customer success are almost certainly going to be two of the topics that we touch on. And it's a, a stellar uh, lineup on uh, on the panel. I think we've got uh, uh, joining you Rav Daliwal uh, yep. from uh, who heads up customer success for Slack in EMEA, uh, David Apple heading up customer success at Typeform, uh, and Jennifer York heading up customer success at Bizarre Voice and before that Box. So. Uh, yep. Some pretty good uh, uh, experts there. I was going to say shit hot, but uh, um, there you go. I mean, I just uh, just said it. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah, the good news for everyone listening at who comes to SaaS stock is that the panelists on that particular panel are much smarter than the moderator. So you'll you'll uh, guarantee you'll learn a lot more than you did in the last half hour on this podcast. Well, we'll see. You're uh, you're uh, at least you're a very good moderator, Dan. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. No, you've been uh, you've been an excellent guest, and uh, you know it's been super insightful. Um, and, uh, you know, really looking forward to seeing you, um, you know, at SAS stock, uh, watching that panel. Um, so thanks for being on the show today, Dan Steinman, uh, general manager of Gainsight EMEA. Yeah, my pleasure, Alex. Thanks so much. No, more than welcome. And we'll see you next time. All right. Thanks. Cheers.